1: Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. just go to porkbun.com forward slash fm 24 That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash fm 24 You'll save a dollar on your next domain.
0: Okay, Michael, I've got a question for you. You always do. <laughs> How many different types of product managers are there? Different types. Well... I guess there's like
2: technical product managers, mobile product managers, I I don't know. Um,
0: I really haven't, heard that much about types. Actually, did you know that there are six different types of product managers that exist? Yeah, six. Well, maybe even seven if you want to get really specific. I I didn't realize that there was that many classifications of a product manager, honestly. Well, there are, at least according to Catherine Ulrich, who she actually was recently a venture capitalist at First Mart Capital, but she's a product person at heart. I mean, she was chief product officer at Weight Watchers, Shutterstock, and other places too. Um, and, and we're going to hear all about these different types of product managers on this episode of Rocket Ship. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocket FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike
2: Belsito. So I have to ask, how did Catherine come up with six or seven types of product managers that exist that, I don't
0: know. Doesn't seem like something that one just does. Well, she felt like it was about time that somebody does it. I mean, every other position seems like they have their specialties. Yeah. Well, sure. Like, let's say somebody was looking for a marketing job today. Maybe somebody you know, Michael. Who would you recommend them to? Well, it would depend, right? It would depend on who I know
2: was looking and what they actually needed help with in marketing, whether it was content marketing or
0: paid acquisition or. Exactly. You're kind of proving my point here. Okay. Okay. I see where this is going. Yeah, you're exactly right that it does depend. Um, In that case, you know, there's all different types of marketers. There's not just like one kind of marketer. Um, And in the product world, it's no different. I mean, when Catherine realized this, she put on this post on Medium sort of outlining six different types of product managers that she could think of.
3: All these other positions that are out there have so many adjectives that help people describe A person in that role i mean i think a great example would be someone like um marketing uh and so if you're hiring a marketer you don't just say i want a marketer you literally say i want an affiliate marketer i want someone who knows seo i'm hiring someone to run the display team and then likewise when you get to the point where you're hiring a cmo you even have this vernacular of talking about like what the strong points of a cmo are is it someone who's very brand driven or social driven is it someone that's performance marketing driven And the same analogy, even I'd say holds true for developers, there's all these adjectives that we have for describing developers, whether it be, you know, front end or back end or code base. And then I felt like when you turn to product people, when I often would say to folks, either myself or then people in my network who would say, you know, hey, Catherine, I'm looking to hire a great product manager. And I say, well, what type of product manager do you want? I'd often get like a blank stare of, of. Well, I don't, like, I don't really know, like, I, this is the product, this is what I need them to do. But there was not this crisp set of adjectives, which we have in these other functions. The post came from the motivation of, hey, wouldn't it be great if we as a product community started to develop a set of vernacular so that we could all talk the same way about the different roles?
2: Okay, It actually makes complete sense so when Catherine does this digging she actually came up with six different roles
0: well there were six in that original post but there's also a bonus seventh type of product manager too which we will uncover here in this episode Woo! nice all right so on
2: that note let's uncover the first
3: So the first type of product manager that I often see and I actually kind of argue this tends to be the most in demand one is a growth product manager. So this is someone, you know, if you think about growth hacking, um, usually these people have to some degree, even if they didn't come from a marketing background, they have kind of that DNA in them in terms of trying to figure out how to hack conversion, increase retention, they tend to be very data metrics driven individuals. Um, and, that, and that's their background and so that is a very common type of product manager role um, that, that we see uh, it, the reason I say it tends to be in most demand is because it's a very easy easy thing for a CEO or someone to say yes I want that because I want someone to boost my revenue so by default it's a very easy role for people to say that they absolutely need someone that has, who does that in the, in the beginning um, the and actually in the article I end up writing not only about like what skill sets do this product person have but, that was their superpowers but i also was writing about the kryptonite because what i've also seen is that each of these types also has um a bias that tend to be their greatest weakness um and i don't know if i go through all of them but i think for the growth hacker it's a great example that i'm passionate about because some forms of growth hackers um can risk uh driving financial metrics and sacrificing customer experience and i think that great product managers do this really great delicate dance between Business outcomes, user experience, as well as uh, the technical investment it takes to build any product, and a, a growth hacker. I've seen some great growth hackers that can drive amazing metrics, but sometimes you can run the trap of of doing those product hacks that are not good for your users. Like pre-checked boxes for subscriptions that are buried somewhere or auto renew or my favorite pet peeve that i hate and never recommend is having to call in to cancel your product Uh, i know why people do that and a number of startups do it uh, but it's an artificial way to to boost your short-term performance on the long term so that's that's the growth hacker
0: pre-checked boxes and calling in to have to cancel my subscription i always hated those things too
2: but who likes having the call to cancel? Anyway, we've got the growth hacker. What's the next one?
3: The next one is actually near and dear to my heart because it was very core when I was the chief product officer at Weight Watchers. I think this was a core role that we had to have, which is what I call a workflow warrior. This is someone who the reason it was near and dear at Weight Watchers is if you think about that product experience, we were at the end of the day, kind of selling a workflow tool. Now the workflow was, how do I go through my day and understand what I should eat when and how and track that and plot that. But it's a toolkit, like you're working in a toolkit as the user, right? You're interacting with a set of tools. And a workflow warrior, what they are really good at usually is observing users in the wild, not putting their own judgments on top of them, but just watching their current workflow, no matter what it is, whether that's, their workflow of how they make their food choices across the day or whether you're building an enterprise staff product and helping to build tools for marketing managers, but they're able to observe and watch things. And people that are very good at this, you just, I can tell right away if someone's going to be great at this role based on how they interact with users, because they're not leading the witness. You know, they will, if I say things like a great interview question is, you know, tell me, how do you get to understand your users? This person will naturally say, well, I want to go watch them in the wild. You know, they're not just doing pilot groups. So like, I'm going to go sit with my user and just watch them for a day. And and then I will figure out how I can improve it.
2: I never would have thought that figuring out specific points when somebody eats during the day, when somebody typically clicks on a button in Salesforce had, well, really anything in common.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. But in the case of the workflow warrior, they actually do have something in common.
2: All right. I can see that. Okay. So we have the growth hacker, the workflow warrior. What's number
3: three? I call it the community connector. This is someone who, and this, as it sounds, it's someone who can create a great community. It's certainly someone who understands social dynamics and can build that into the product experience. What I found is that and this person ends up being really great, usually at understanding the psychology of not only individuals, but how groups behave um, and they know how to build the right dynamic uh, amongst them. So if you need to create social ties into your product, um, Which which, honestly, my now belief is that, again, it used to be that people would say, well, social ties, that pertains really to B2C products that people are building. And actually now it's very clear that that applies even to B2B because we've seen that the the fastest growing enterprise products are one that tie into social behaviors or they build collaboration and team dynamics into it as a retention format. So whether that be Slack or something like Envision, where the, the key reason is not just a great workflow tool set, but also how do you bring teams and social dynamics into it, that ends up being a critical skill.
0: And we've started to hear a lot lately about how product-led growth is becoming important. And a big reason for that is building growth into the product itself. Maybe it's creating a feature that makes the product much more shareable, for instance. This isn't just a B2C kind of thing. This is now relevant to all sorts of business apps where individuals are using the product first, getting value from it, and then it starts to infiltrate the rest of the organization. Catherine mentioned Slack and Envision, uh, but Zoom and Calendly, they also come to mind too. Yes, and it's the community connector that is the type of product person that can help
2: enable this kind of growth within their products.
0: Yeah, and, and we did have the growth hacker before already.
2: Yeah, although it makes sense that some of these things are going to have at least
0: something in common with each other. That's true. Okay. All right, we should probably make our way to the fourth type of product person. Yeah. What did Catherine call that one?
3: I called it a platform product manager. Sometimes this is called an API product manager. Sometimes people get bucked into the, oh, that's a technical PM. But platform is generally like, if you're building a platform where people are gonna come on and build on top of it. So whether you think of it as, A PM overseeing an API network and helping understand how developers want to use those APIs or whether you create a platform that really helps with third party partnerships. That's how I think about a platform PM.
0: The platform product manager, because yes, APIs are products too. Yeah. And for
2: some companies, they're the lifeblood of the entire company. So this is a good one not to overlook. All right. We've got three more that we'll be back with right after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Okay, we are getting down to the final couple of types of product managers, and I'm going to go a little bit of kind of rapid fire on these next two. Are you cool with that? Fire away. All right. Type five.
3: I called it a data or AI product manager. Other terms for this would be, for example, a search product manager is a, is a common role. And if you guys have ever known or work with search PMs or data PMs, like they are their own breed and and of themselves. Um... Uh, you know, they act in the same way of any product person, like translating user needs into technical solutions. But in this case, they're usually translating user needs into either algorithms, search algorithms or AI or ML models.
0: And type six.
3: A mobile product manager, Um, I think the kind of idea of having a mobile product manager is on its way out. It's probably dying as an independent role, but it is still very common that people will have, you know, the iOS and Android person. I I call it out because no matter what, it is a very unique skill set to know how to handle the user interface and the interactions in mobile and to think of it from a product lens where you're not just building the same desktop experience. Uh, on top of mobile, but you're thinking about the unique use cases and how do you develop that? Um, But again, I think with responsive and how everything has moved and adapted um, and react and so on, this role is kind of fading away. It's more being a skill set that's starting to be built into any product manager's skills if you do front end facing features.
2: Okay, the data or AI or even the search product manager,
0: the mobile product manager rounding out the top six. Yes. And one of those is on the rise um, with the data and AI or search product manager being that one. While the other, uh, the mobile product manager kind of going to the wayside.
2: Right. Catherine mentioned how the mobile product manager may be becoming a thing of the past because now everybody sort of has to be a mobile product manager in a way
0: virtually every website is responsive and must deliver a solid mobile experience yes although it's not gone yet and while everybody must have this skill if mobile's your superpower as a product person i feel like you're not going to be out of a job for a very long time i mean this is this is like if if that's what you're really 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 good at like there will be a place for you for sure yeah very true very true i i mean, I, I think that'll be just fine
2: so that was six And I thought you said that we might have a seventh.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Catherine did say that while her original post on Medium on this topic had six types, she had a seventh bonus one. So I guess we can call this a rocket ship exclusive.
3: I've also seen a totally different type of person who is an internal product manager. So internal tools. So that would be, for example, a PM who works on DevOps. So literally the tools that your developer team needs to use, or it could be a PM who works on something like Salesforce. So they're watching how internal employees use Salesforce and driving the application development on top of Salesforce. Um, but that's, a, that's another role that you can maybe bucket it under workflow warriors, just your, You know, the customers are internal, but it's another distinct type of position that I see.
2: The internal product manager. And you heard it here first.
0: All right. We are going to talk a little bit more about this one and kind of wrap things up. But first, we should probably hear another word from our sponsors. All right. We heard a bonus type of product manager, the internal product manager. And yeah, I mean, hey, we love going deep with our guests and kind of uncovering the secrets that might be untold elsewhere. We're probably overdoing this exclusive thing, eh? All right, yeah, maybe. But hey, regardless, the internal product manager, which I actually see as a very common type, especially in larger organizations, sometimes the employees are the users and it's the product person's job to help enable those teams and set them up for success.
2: So this is a lot to take in, honestly. Seven different types, is one better than
0: the other? Well. It sort of depends. I mean, if you're asking in terms of what type of product person to hire, Catherine has a specific take on that.
3: The first step to answering this question is, and it's more about how I make sure I ramp up to speed, is describe your product to me first. Tell me how many different components of the product you have, right? So uh, there's some products that have, they'll say, okay, well, I have a marketing website and I have an e-commerce shop. I'm going to use something that I know very well, which is this company I invested in called Parsley Health. So in Parsley Health category. They have a marketing site, an e-commerce shop where they sell things like supplements. And then they have a patient p- facing portal, which I would say is very workflow oriented. And then they have actually a doctor facing portal because this is a new form of primary care. Um, and and then they actually have a you know, back end infrastructure and API layer. And like if you plotted out their product diagram which is something that i always do with companies i meet with like show me all the different buckets of of features and front-end components then you can say oh well immediately i know you're probably going to want growth because i get you have a marketing site and an e-commerce shop but most importantly your core product is a workflow product so step number one is like creating this product map which i've always done for companies um which has things bucketed and ideally your full list of features under each part of the product Um, the second step which this is the biggest challenge for most companies is what is the biggest objective you're trying to hit? So if your company uses OKR is great. I am referring to the highest level objective and key result for how you're going to measure it. But what is that biggest objective in full or Whenever I ask that question, I usually find that there needs to be more turns done on it Um, without, you know, I met with this company actually earlier this week and, um, they said it's an early stage company. They said one of their biggest objectives was hitting this certain sales goal within the first half of 2019. That was the objective, hit this number in you know H1 of 2019. And actually, then when I dug deeper, it turned out they actually already had the full sales pipeline to hit that number. So that was not their biggest challenge. The biggest challenge was that they didn't have the products in the operational to meet the scale they were about to hit. So they were about to hit the sales number but it involved onboarding more customers than they ever onboarded in the history of the company. And so the real question that they needed to answer was not how do we hit that sales number? It was how do we deliver, like you've got to define the level of quality of product you want, but how do we deliver um, the right quality of product experience to all these people we are going to onboard? And so once you have that question, once you really know the objectives you need to hit, then all of a sudden you know more what type of product manager you want to hire. Um, and you know that one ironically was like they needed someone who was going to be doing a lot of the workflow um, because they needed a lot of parts of the product to be self-serve. So they needed to analyze how their clients were coming on board and how they could create self-service tools so that there was less internal pressure to do those things manually. So that's one example. But the two steps are understand how you the components of your product and then really refine your objectives and get those right. And then it usually becomes incredibly clear what types of PMs should be your highest priority.
2: And what about if you are the product manager? Are there certain types that seem more applicable to some, you know, different roles, et cetera?
3: There's probably two that are really good for every anyone to know, which is the growth PM and the workflow PM. What I have seen, to be totally candid about this, um, the growth PM, it, it is a, it's a learned role. So what do I mean by that? I have known PMs who are great workflow PMs, but for example, they haven't spent any time in marketing and they haven't been exposed enough to like financial principles. You cannot be a great growth PM if you can't speak the language of finance and conversion. And I would say for anyone listening, and I will admit, so if you look at my background, I'm highly biased. So take this knowing my background, which is that I came from a financial planning and analysis strategy role before I moved into product. So obviously I'm biased to say this, but I do believe if you want to grow in your career to be a, a you know a bigger leader over time, let's say into a CPO position, you cannot get there unless you speak the language of finance, because as an, an executive team level, that is the language that executives and the board speaks. Um, so just keep that in mind, which is what I would say is like growth PMs understand, understand that language. So, for example, if you're a growth PM, you actually need to know, for example, and have, be able to have the conversation in this quarter, you know, am I trying to just push top line revenue growth? Am I trying to push contribution margin growth? Am I trying to push like earnings growth? And how do I think about that? Because actually I might, I might push a product that is a higher margin versus a product that is a lower margin. And how do I balance those things? And how do I balance things like um, increasing retention, uh, but also balancing that with repeat rate. Like a good example is that cancellation thing I said, like, you might actually be able to do some like hacks that kind of have people stay longer, let's say on a subscription product, but you might do it in a way that they're more likely to to ask for a refund. So your refund rate's going to go up And they might, you might lower the repeat rate, meaning once they cancel, how long does it take for them to come back for a second time as a customer? So you might destroy that repeat rate. So I just, as a good growth hacker, you have to understand all those mechanics and know how they move together. And it's like anything, you know, when I, more junior growth hacker PMs, maybe haven't learned to ask all these questions or think of all the balances between it. And that's what, you know, a senior product person should be trying to To help grow them to consider. But um, I would say that those are the top two most transferable roles. And long term, I do recommend you learning the growth hacker skills, if for nothing else than learning the financial terms and acumen that will help you in your career.
0: So keep in mind, it's not that those two are the most important overall per se, but they might be the most applicable to any type of product role that you might come across as a product person. So if you're looking to sort of hang your hat on something specific but want to have a lot of applicability to maybe future positions, those two might be ones to think about. So keep that in mind. But
2: in all these cases, it seems like that if you own which type of product person you are, you
0: go all in and be the best one at it You're certainly setting yourself up to succeed. Yeah, for sure. And it probably comes down to figuring out what your strength is and maybe, you know, continuing to hone in on that, get better at that. Um, You're likely naturally to fit into one of these different types. But just like you said, Michael, I mean, own it and see if you can actually be the best at that one specific type. Well, this was great stuff from Catherine Ulrich.
2: Rocket ship listeners, if you want to check out the original Medium post she wrote on this topic, you can go to bit.ly forward slash six product managers. That's bit.ly forward slash six product managers all spelled out and Mike I should ask after putting this entire episode together did you figure out what type of product person you were
1: well
0: I guess before I could get there I need to figure <laughs> out what my strengths are first and on that note listeners you could catch us again right here next week on rocket fm and maybe even then I'll figure that out <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to
2: Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the
0: Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at
1: productcollective.com.